You're in the gang. So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NFL, NBA, and sometimes college. Today's topics are about the NBA Finals, Doc Rivers being hired by the 76ers, Bill O'Brien being fired by the Houston Texans, the Cowboys' bad start, Cam Newton getting the virus, and a recap of weeks of the NFL. But before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Muhammad, and I'll let my partner introduce himself. It's Alex. Uh, you know, we're going to be here all season long, and the best news is going to come from us. <laughs> yeah, run it up. Press subscribe. Run those listens up. And let's get into the first subject. So the first subject will be about the NBA Finals. As of this recording, the Lakers lead the Heat 2-1 to one in the series. In Game 3, the Heat were able to pull off a win without two of their key players, Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic. Uh, Jimmy Butler led the Miami Heat with 40 points, 11 rebounds, and 13 assists. Jimmy Butler was seen on the court at the end of the game saying, quote, they're in trouble now. So with the Heat taking game three, are the Lakers really in trouble? Nah. Um, <laughs> nobody really felt they were in trouble. I even thought they were going to have a bad game and still win this game. Not before the game, but during the game, I was like, they might even still win this game, even though there's really not much chemistry was happening. LeBron was missing a lot. AD couldn't get into any rhythm because he was in foul trouble. And then after, like I say, going midway through the third, I think the Heat and Jimmy Butler realized they can actually win this game. And it wasn't like, hey, let's hurry up so we can go ahead and go home. I would have to agree, yes. I don't think the Lakers are in any trouble. I mean, they should pretty much blow out this team and finish them off in two games. But if they let them stick around, the Heat will definitely take advantage and tie this series up 2-2. And um, I, I would not want to give them any edge. Don't give them any type of momentum because they will take it. Because uh, these guys are not afraid of the Lakers. Uh, they just don't have the amount of talent that the Lakers have. But um, I say for right now, no, they're not in any trouble. Um, and they should finish them off pretty soon. I, I agree. I don't think the Heat win another game. I think the Lakers will come attitude-wise prepared this time and the next time. I think it really got into like a low. Even I was like, huh. I wasn't thinking they could lose this game. But like, hurry up, let's get this done. And they went into a false sense of we've, we, we're, all, we're pretty much there, even though they hadn't finished their job. And that is the motto that LeBron keeps preaching to them. But I even think he got slightly into that lazy, we can do this without really trying mode. Yeah, it, it definitely seemed like they, they kind of, I don't know, laid off of them, didn't really try to take them as seriously. And the Heat took advantage. And that could play right into the Heat's hands if they are pretty lax on this upcoming Game 4. Um, but why weren't the Lakers able to pull through to win Game 3? To win Game 3? Um, really because LeBron missed a few key shots. And they still could have won that game. I think they easily could have still won that game without AD's any additional help from AD. I think if LeBron would have hit a couple late shots. They they would have won. I just don't think. I just think that this was a time where the Lakers are always good for one lazy uh, game during the series, and then now they're gonna have the right attitude come tonight as we are recording in the day before this comes out before the game. Well, hopefully they have the right attitude. I think going into the into the game, they will have the right attitude, but you never know how things will play out once they play. Um, 
But I think the biggest thing that kept them from winning the game was LeBron turning the ball over. It was just ridiculous how many times he turned it over at the end of the game. It was like he didn't want to win the game. I, I don't know what he was doing or really what he was thinking. And like you said, if he would have hit a, some key shots, yes, that would have helped. And just the combination of turnovers and him not hitting those key shots, that lost in the game and gave the Heat a little bit of a, a, a glimpse of hope that they could win this series. But it's, it's still hard to see them even getting close to winning this series. But if they tie it up 2-2, it'll make it interesting. I, I completely agree. It was his turnover. There were like something like 20 turnovers real early in the game. Really, really early in the game. They had ridiculous amount of turnovers. Doing too much. They were just... Uh, really, I think it was mostly LeBron doing too much. Uh, and, and most times, you really he can't do too much. But I think he was just trying to make... It's like he was stuck in between lazy mode and doing too much. Like he didn't bring enough energy to pull off what he was trying to do. Yeah, he was um, traveling. <laughs> turn turn the ball over multiple times, but even complaining. Yeah, I, I, but but he really needs to put his foot on their neck and just end this, or this could get out of hand. I, I don't know about out of hand. It, their their enthusiasm and excitement for possibly winning could uh, extend things. But I think this is just a bigger reason why they need uh, Giannis and. I don't know why, but I'm a little bit more open to trading Bam for Giannis to make that happen. Of course, you're you're open to getting Giannis in any way possible, except giving up Jimmy Butler. Not, not giving up Jimmy, and I don't want to give up Tyler Hero. You need a clutch shooter. Now, Jimmy Butler is a clutch shooter, but not a clutch three point shooter. You you tie those two together with Giannis, and I think you can really combine whatever type of team around it because they have the right culture yeah they have the right culture um but this if the nba finals does only go let's say five games i mean this is terrible for the nba i, I know the ratings are, are are down but they i wish the series could be a little bit more interesting i'm, I'm really ready for it to be over um yeah, I'm just ready. As much as I want to see basketball, I am ready for it to be over. I, I want this to be sealed in the book. Like, just let this be done. Because we are creeping up on the next season, when the next season will start. They're already saying uh, as, not Roger Goodell, um, what's the NBA's commissioner name? Adam Silver. Yeah, Adam Silver. He was saying that their early time is going to be starting on Christmas. And we're really, really close to Christmas, if you think about it. And we're at the end of an, a full season right here in mid-October. Uh, I'm a little worried about what this means for the future of basketball and when they return and things like that. I, I just want this to be sealed in the books, trades to start happening, and things for the offseason starts to really move. Well, I mean, I don't think you should worry about next season just because the finals goes a few more games. I don't think that's anything to worry about. It's going to happen well, either way unless the virus just comes full force in another way. No, Well, maybe I should explain a little bit more. Uh, they already did the, delay the Summer Olympics to next year, which goes into who's playing in the Summer Olympics or are you playing in the NBA playoffs? So... It, it's going to tug. Of course, I think NBA players are very more inclined to actually play for the NBA and not the U.S. for the Olympics. But you're really pushing into that time. Like they're almost guaranteed to be within the summertime. If, if everything plays out, no COVID delays anything, they still will end next season somewhere near like maybe end of June, July, if they're lucky. Yeah, and I think that's fine with most players. I don't think most of these players really want to play in the Olympics. Um, pretty much everybody's kind of past that. And then with 
the virus, there's still the threat of that. I, I feel like that's still going to be out there during that time. None of them are going to want to risk that. So it's hard to see that really. Yeah, and I don't know how they would. I think it's a lot of money being lost when it comes to the Olympics, but I don't know whether the U.S. really cares as they're not the host uh, that was supposed to be this past year. It was China. And that's going to, of course, be skeptical about traveling there. So I, I, I guess it's more worry for the, I don't know whether you want to call it a franchise of the Olympics, but probably more worry there. But I, when it comes to the NBA playoffs, I just want this sealed in the books so all the offseason stuff can start. Trades, who's going to what teams. I'm a little bit more excited about that than this actual series. I really, really, really don't want to see this go seven. That'd be fun, you know, seven-game series. That, that'll be very interesting because I think a lot more people will tune in because I, I think that the ratings have gone down since, since this, really all of this. But um, we'll move it along to the Philadelphia 76ers, and they have hired Doc Rivers as their next head coach. It looks like the 76ers plan on keeping their core intact at the moment. But with this quick hiring of Doc Rivers, can he get the most out of the 76ers' current stars? I would say, yeah, I still have confidence in Doc. As much as we've trashed on Doc for these, like, two weeks, it's but so long we're going to have to keep him in the dumps on this one. You, you saw it was a list of teams ready to have Doc as their head coach. This man, Dan Tony, pretty much had a, a deal in the bag and got rejected because uh, Doc got fired out of nowhere. Uh, so I would say, yes, he can take advantage of the best. Like, they were going to need to change coaches-wise, and they need something that was confident, a, a well-established coach that has won at least one championship to at least have hope for a future with this team. And he also will not have any front office duties. So maybe that does help out too in this case. Okay. But what's the bar? What's the bar for them to be successful for you? Bar um, at least Eastern conference finals, because it is definitely shown this year that the East is East. And it makes it even more of a shame that they can't get past where what second round, uh, first round, actually first round, they can't get out of the first round right now uh, with this whole the process type thing. So I would say Eastern Conference Finals minimum. That's that's much must be where they are at. He has a five year deal, and I think he'll get three years to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but he must make it out of at least the first round. So if he makes it as far as he did with the Clippers, it's actually a success with the Philly uh, definitely a, uh, 76ers as, of course, it looked as a, as a definite um, downfall when it came to being the head coach of the Clippers. I say with this deal, he has to make the finals. And that, that's minimum. That's absolute minimum with this. I mean, you turn down one coach to quickly hire this guy and give him this amount of money and extension. Um, you, you, you definitely have to make it to the finals and you have five years to do it. So there's there's no worse than that. Um, and they were a shot away from making the Eastern Conference finals last year. Um, but, you know, Kawhi had that that double bounce shot and that ended that. So, I mean, second round, that's really nothing. Um, they, they, they at least have to make it to the finals for this to be a success for me. Okay, well, I, I think in the eyes of Philly, that's different. Um, and yeah, you said five years. That is a long time. That's half a decade to get there. And as we see, the East is the least. Um, I don't think he really loses in this situation. Uh, like, if he doesn't make it, uh, what what's going to happen? They're going to fire him? He's going to get another job. Because of his leadership and reputation alone, 
I think they were happy to just have somebody of the caliber uh, at head coach. They were going to accept less. And not to really say Dan Tony's less, I don't think Dan Tony was a great fit for that uh, team. At most, you would say, oh, he's going to bring some offense to a team that has difficulty with offense. I think this is really about it's a, it's a little bit of a combination of what team to put together, but he's better off doing this in the East versus the West. I would agree. Yes, he's better off doing this in the East than in the West. But you got to make the finals with this. There's there's you you can't get any lower than that. You have true, but you've you, you've built your reputation on the one championship with three Hall of Famers, and you almost have done nothing since. That's true. That is very true. He he is finally catching some flack because he got a lot of praise for what since 2008. It is 2020. He has really gotten praised ever since then for having that championship. He really couldn't do too many faults, even though he he had really two to three errors of Clippers. He had the whole Lob City. He had a period of time in between there where they stocked up on new players for about two years. Plus, he had a, this last era of um, Clippers with Kawhi and uh, playoff P, uh, pandemic P, and other way ones, off but, P. Yeah, way off P. I like that one, but uh, <laughs> but I would say yeah, it's just a whole lot easier. Like, look at who he has to face. This is why I just keep making the argument for Giannis going to the Heat because there's really only four teams of real threat in the East. It's Boston. It's Miami, with or without Giannis, there's Philly, and there's I, – I should put some respect on Toronto's name, but I don't think unless they are able to attract a big-name star there, they will get back to another finals. So it's, it's really like four teams, and it's just a whole lot better because we're going like one through ten in the West on competition as the East is one through four. Yeah, there's not too much competition. You forgot about the Nets. They are yeah, they should oh, sorry, be a championship contender. That's what I was trying to think of. I couldn't think of who it was, but but I think I was thinking of an existing who was in a playoff this way. But you're exactly right. That's exactly who I was trying to think of. Uh, the Nets will also be in that, which I think is they doomed themselves because of oh, actually we didn't we didn't get into this, but you know how Kyrie was saying there won't be a coach or anybody can really be the coach. I don't know whether you were gonna bring that up. No, not exactly, but let's go ahead and get into that. So, do you think Kyrie is right that they don't need a coach? <laughs> I think he is. Boy, oh my God, this man. So, man, I would be making that same, huh, if I was, uh, not Steve Kerr, but Steve Nash. Because this man is undermining me already. I, I know you got me the job and all, and it is a job he Technically, he's not supposed to have this due to relationships. But man, you out here now saying I'm a I'm a player and I'm I'm the coach. And now you the coach, Katie the coach, everybody the coach. Man, how about you stay there for a full season and actually be on the court to be a leader? So no, I don't believe that they don't need a coach. I think they need to get possibly rid of Kyrie, even though he's such a great talent. Yeah. That's probably one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard Kyrie Irving say. And he really needs to think before he speaks because he gets himself in a lot of trouble. And Kyrie Irving, this might be his last stop before people really just start stop dealing with him because he's injury prone. He can sometimes be a cancer to the locker room. And he's he's just not available all the time. So this is his last chance with the team. I can agree. He is a separator, not a bring people together. Like it just, it's been proven. Like he, there is a whole lot more likely he is going to separate a team versus bring a team together. I have not seen him bring a team together. We saw pre LeBron. We saw after LeBron, we saw him take two stops after LeBron asking himself to leave from being around LeBron. And he actually thinks he is LeBron, because I think a lot of these comments are rooted in him thinking he is better than LeBron. And just to give you context on 
how he made these comments. Uh, actually, because he made another uh, ridiculous comment on top of that one. It was in a podcast a, with uh, KD where they were talking one-on-one. You, of course, they're feeling very comfortable as they are best friends. And one reason why they both went to the Nets together. But this man says, of course, I feel like uh, any, we don't need a, a coach. Plus, this man says, this is the first time, the first time I feel there's another person on the team I feel confident on taking the last shot. With everybody knowing he was on the same team with LeBron. So this man, yes, I do think this is his last stop. I don't think he will be talent-wise out of the league. I think he is reputation-wise will be out of the league and complaining on his way all the way out. (laughs) I think that he will be something like Blake Griffin. You know how he was... I like Blake Griffin. I don't want you to, uh, like, kill his name yet. (laughs) Go ahead. no, No, what I'm saying is Blake Griffin... He was on a team that could contend at one point. Now he's been shipped off into irrelevancy. And that's the same thing that's going to happen to Kyrie if he doesn't get himself to get himself together. Yeah, I agree. And he would not have a championship without LeBron. He One of the luckiest things he ever got, which he did not like, uh, just to kind of set the stage, because he Cleveland didn't know LeBron was coming back to, to, uh, to Cleveland. To the Cavaliers as they signed Kyrie to a major contact track saying he was going to be the leader of the team. As soon as they did that, LeBron chose to come back and who was not welcoming LeBron back, even though he talked so much trash about LeBron leaving, uh, Dan Gilbert. But that, I think that has carried on going on. Like, But he actually got lucky because he would not have a championship otherwise and he would not have three appearances otherwise because the first time he was hurt. Second time, he actually came through. And the third time, hey, we know it was completely overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably even barely make the playoffs if he didn't have LeBron because he's never on the court. He's always hurt. Even when, even before LeBron got to the, the Cavaliers the second time, Kyrie was missing so much time, so he's not available enough to get your team to the playoffs. Um, And he's, man, I mean, he's too talented to be like this. I really think it's all LeBron envy. I really think it's LeBron envy, and it, it gets heightened with KD. I think... This man was out here joking on LeBron while he was on the same team with LeBron. You know those little meetings we saw them in the in the hallways meeting up, like, "Hey, what's up? How you doing?" We 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 know at, before they even made this move, and it was already rumored that they were going to link up and everything. I I just really I can tell it is a lot of LeBron envy from KD and Kyrie, and that is one thing that keeps them semi motivated and feel like they're validated because they have championships even though we both know why both of them have championships. Yeah, but don't you think that you'll give them more respect if they win it this way? Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely will. I'll actually shut up on a few things. Because I, I really like Kyrie, but he makes it hard. He makes it really, really hard on uh, because he just keeps saying slick stuff, like he unnecessary stuff. Uh, like, oh, we shouldn't go to the bubble. Oh, right after you got banned from the bubble? Or, oh, uh, it's, it's the systematic way of acting as though he's not doing something, even though he is doing something. Because he even made it out like, oh, the crowd is, and the media is making this out to be such a big thing. As I was just having a conversation with KD. It was on a public podcast. And you knew you're not ignorant. You know exactly how people are going to take this. So it is a complete shot. <laughs> yeah, it was a shot. Um, but hopefully he's able to back it up, but most likely not. Uh, but we'll move it along to the NFL with the firing of head coach and GM of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. After six full seasons as the head coach, Bill, o- Bill O'Brien was let go. With it being so early in the season, why did the Texans let him go? Easily 0-4. And all of the other, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to say you know. I'll go ahead and inform. The, I'll, I'll, we'll just backtrack. 
we'll go with the 0 and 4. That's easy. That makes it extremely easy. But then he traded away DeAndre Hopkins without any other uh, number one receiver. As you are signing a franchise quarterback with no franchise receiver. Receiver. This man goes to a whole another team and balls out. And this is all off of feelings. He made a lot of decisions off of feelings. Uh, he he traded away DeAndre Hopkins due to DeAndre Hopkins not not being okay with him asking about his baby mothers or or people coming around the facilities that he didn't particularly like. So it's a it's a list of things. It, but the most recent would be the Owen for trading away your, your best receiver and making franchise moves off of emotions. I would have to agree with every single point. And really, it's overdue. This man should have been fired. He is not a good coach. And they I don't know what they were thinking whenever they gave him the GM job because he made it even worse by giving away DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, and then Jadavion Clowney. Um, he was let go or traded or something like that. Really, he just gotten rid of all the talent and has done nothing for Deshaun Watson. Um, you just look at Patrick Mahomes, how many weapons that he gets, um, even Lamar Jackson to a certain degree. Um, he has more weapons. And Deshaun Watson, he just gets depleted of all of what was already there um, before he got there. And really, th this is a great thing. This, this is a, a great thing for Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And hopefully they're able to hire a better coach that's offensive minded and, you know, protects Deshaun Watson better because he's he's just taking too many hits. I can agree because who thought that the uh, Colts was going to come in? Well, not really. The Colts are going to come into the division, but Phillip Rivers is going to come into the division with the Colts and start whipping up on the Texans this year. I, I never even thought that uh, the Colts are out here at uh, is it three and one or four and out? They're three and one. Three and one. Okay, but they're looking very good. I, I thought Phillip Rivers is over the hill more than Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And of course that's arguable, but I thought this man is clearly on the cliff, but that just points out the ineptitude at coach. You are starting off a season with 0 and 4, and this is the first quarter of the year. Yeah, this is this first semester. This is, there's not much room to make up. And at this point, it's kind of hard for them to, they can still make the playoffs, but I think, this will make it to where they do not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have them as the division winners because I thought that they had lost way too much and then they had an incompetent head coach. So he he was just going to hold them back. And, I mean, I thought the Colts would be okay. And they look fine for now. I mean, Phillip Rivers, he's still kind of good, but not much. I mean, the defense is doing a whole bunch. But the Titans look like the best team for now. Um, and it's, it's just way too many things to overcome with the Texans. Um, I mean, if they can somehow reel off maybe 10 wins out of 12 games, they can make the playoffs. But it's just very hard to see, especially whenever you're going to have somebody new stepping up to the plate to coach the team. Agreed. Now you got to establish a whole new culture with a backup coach. It's not really, I don't think it smooths over well, but it is an opportunity for somebody to grab a head co coaching spot. Because if you do reel off 10 out of 12, yeah, 10 out of 12 wins, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that coaching spot at least for two years. Well, uh, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You, you see what happened well, with the Browns. But who, who gives a coach, a coach a one-year deal? That's the only reason why I didn't say one. It, you just don't give them one. You get that's no confidence. You can do two years and still in their contract. No, what I'm saying is, so in this situation, they're not going to hire somebody from the outside. They're going to, you know, promote somebody yeah. from the inside. And you see what happened with the Browns whenever they um, promoted somebody within their staff after they fired. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, but um, the black head coach. I know you. They about fired him. Big and guy, they yeah. Came up with Freddie Kitchens. He led them to 
a good amount of wins, but they, they didn't make the playoffs. But they carried that momentum into the next season and still did very bad. And then they had to fire him. So let, let's not jump to conclusions and try to give that person whoever steps in, even if they do win 10 games, unless they win the Super Bowl, then you have a, a job there. But I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, but with this firing of Bill O'Brien, will the will Deshaun Watson be able to thrive under a new coach? Um, it depends on what help they get him. That's it. It's going to come down to help. Um, I think this is a lack of tools there, and they really have not set themselves up to be a contender. So I, I think he's going to be middle of the pack until he does get a uh, number one receiver. Well, I think that if they can bring in a new culture coach, you know, something like one of these younger coaches, like uh, the one in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, Mm -hmm. one of those great play callers, or Sean McVay of the Rams, you know, one of those guys who is an offensive-minded coach that can, you know, scheme plays very well, then they can definitely have some, some success, even with a lack of weapons. And, you know, those weapons will come along later. So I say, you know, if they can find a guy like that, then they should be contenders within the next, within the next two years. Yeah, and I, I just realized, like, it's not really a, a really good first quarter for the state of Texas. Both of their teams, it's only one win between them, and it was an extremely lucky win out of eight games. 0-4 for the Texans and 1-3 and for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, the, the Cowboys. <laughs> Getting beat <laughs> down the by the Browns. Tricks. Getting beat down by the Browns. Oh, good God almighty. I, I'm not uh, stressed. I, I, they are who we thought they were, chokers. Yeah, but let's go ahead and get into them. So the Cowboys have started off the season one and three and have started off the last three games with multiple turnovers and huge deficits. So with this bad start to the season, who is the most to blame for the Cowboys' bad start? It goes it goes head coach, defense, Jerry Jones. <laughs> That's my my list. I, I'll put the offense at number four. They're not really helping. They're helping in that case because they're balling when it comes to actually getting touchdowns and moving the ball. But they're also throwing interceptions in. Uh, well, Dak is throwing interceptions in key moments. So that's they are on the list. But I would put them number four because head coach come in and you all you can give me is a four and three. I should have kept a. Uh, Jason Witten, sorry, not Jason Witten, but um, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. I should have kept Jason Garrett. He loved them so much. It, shoot, if he was one and four, sorry, one and three, he would get more flack than your boy right now. I, I think it is head coach first, hands down, because you have a. I think he gave him a lot more control in this case, other from what Jason Witten. Sorry, I keep saying Jason Witten. Jason <laughs> Garrett <laughs> said uh, Jason Garrett's control, but. So I have to give it, it's, it's first you. You're the, you're the new thing. You're the newest thing and that has the most control. So coach first, defense second, because the coach has to coach the defense, whether he is an offensive or defensive mind uh, person. And then you got Jerry, Jerry Jones because he's the one making decisions on who's going to be on the defense out here on his yacht uh, choosing these players. And look, they're at. What, one and four? Sorry, one and three. I'm already predicting it in the future here with that uh, other loss. Well, yeah, if they lose the next game, then, I mean, all bets are. They, they are probably the worst team in their division because they play the Giants next. But What's crazy? Oh, God. Their division is horrible. <laughs> their division yes. is horrible. But go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to put it on just one person because it's a collection of things that's really wrong for them. Um the head coach, he has not implemented the right culture for them to turn it around. They're still doing the same old Cowboys things. Um, the defense is awful. I mean, terrible. Just giving up everything left and right. 
And then the offense isn't really – I mean, it's great, it's explosive, but only whenever they're down by a lot of points. Whenever the game is close, they can't come through um, unless you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, they get off to really bad starts, fumbling the ball multiple times, throwing interceptions. It's, it's a huge combination of things. Um, but with all that said – I guess it really has to be the head coach and Jerry Jones as the culprits in the biggest to blame because they have to set the culture right to turn this team around because they are very talented on offense, but it, they really can't come through when it matters the most. And the defense, that there's nothing else to say about them. They're just trash. I agree. And the only thing I think will – give the Cowboys the ability to make some kind of change is they're going to have to trade Zeke. They, they put their money in the wrong pot. I think they should have put their money in Dak and not in Zeke. And I know I, I also lobby for running backs getting the money they're supposed to get. And he had good years previously to him getting his contract. So I understand their thinking at the time. But looking back at it, I think they're going to end up having to give up Zeke to find another piece to actually win. And the problem is not clearly the offense, but it's two things that got to happen. I, I think Zeke has to be moved to get something else, whether it be on defense or offense. And they need to bring in uh, your boy from the Seahawks, um, from Baltimore. Um, uh, Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas. They got to bring in Earl Thomas. At this point, anybody's better than this. I give him the money he wants. It's whatever. Like, cause y'all, you can't do worse. Uh, I wouldn't say throw money at him because you already have a lot of money in a, a lot of other places, even on the defensive side, which is, I mean, awful, awful. And then on the offensive side, you got Zeke already got, I think most of the offensive line. Um, and then you paid Amari Cooper. So, and Dak sitting I, I, out there stranded. <laughs> yeah, playing on that. The person who control everything. That that franchise tag. I mean, he's getting paid a, a good bit this year, but it's not anything long term. So, I, yeah, I guess moving Zeke would be a, a pretty good piece to move while he's still, well, while his stock is pretty high um, because he still is a great player. He's just fumbling the ball a little bit too much this year. Um and they're just not able to run the ball as much because they're just getting down by these huge deficits and do nothing whenever the game is close. Um, so, yeah, that'd be a good thing. But I would say don't try to replace him with uh, a running back of his caliber, at least through trade. Um, I would say get something on defense because you can pretty much have a running back by committee and I think still succeed on offense. You need to do something with that defense because it is terrible. Exactly. I was definitely going to say the whole running back by committee. Yeah, I was wondering whether he was going to get those words out, but yes, exactly. So, yeah, we're pretty much in line. They are, their team is terrible. Their division is horrible. Uh, what the team who has the most win is what has one win, which is the Washington football team? Or do they have well, all, all of them have one win. Well, except the Giants. Okay. Well, that's still extremely, extremely horrible. Like, it's like... <laughs> Uh, it's depressing looking at that division. It really is. I, and I'm not even in, like emotionally attached at all to that division. And it just looks extremely depressing. There looks like there's no hope for any of the teams. The Giants are on the front end. So and you got, it's just a young team. And then you got uh, Saquon, Saquon, he's out for the rest of the season. That's a trash, trash season. And they're at the bottom of a, a one-win whole division. And then you have the Eagles. Oh, God, they, they're missing Nick Foles. And then you got Cowboys, who's supposed to be more, who's just supposed to be more, just because everybody's just that least. And they still are not good at all. And then you got the Washington football franchise. This is crazy that they would be number one in the division. And I would say they really are, from what mm. I've seen. Oh. <laughs> no, they are not number one. Um the only thing good about their team is their defensive line and then one wide receiver. Everything else can coach. pretty much go. 
Huh? I would say they, I would say Washington franchise their coach is what's the key part. Ron Look, Rivera. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I think that's the difference between them getting a win. <laughs> like it's not like they're great, but all the teams are just horrible. At, at least I can lean on the confidence of the coach. All the rest of them, I really don't have any faith on. I don't even. I actually can't. I don't even know the coach of the Eagles. Name. I, I I couldn't spot him if I walked by him. Doug Peterson. And they did get their first win against the 49ers. And they are in first place because they tied against the Bengals. So that they they get a kind of dub for that. Hey, they further up than the rest of the team. Hey, it's not a loss, it's not a win. It's better than where the rest of the division's at. Yeah, you get a half dub for that, but I don't think this is depressing. I think this is very entertaining, just seeing how bad they are. Really, I hope this division only wins like five or six games, the winner. And it's, it's, it's I don't like think that's possible. I don't think it's playoffs. mathematically uh, possible. <laughs> I, I actually don't think it's mathematically possible. I think the team to win the division has to minimal win six games due to playing the other teams in the division. And actually, they might. I don't know. Because I think if I do the math, because – if you play all your division uh, teams and you win, let's say you don't have to win all of them because you don't have to win all of them. But let's say you win all of them. That's six. I think just to win the division, you have to win at least six games. I, I just mathematically. Yep, and that's still funny. I, I want to see it. <laughs> True, yeah, I do. I want to see the NFC least. I want to see how terrible they can really be. And they've actually at well, they, these teams won't be the ad, added team, but you know, they added an extra team to the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, there's only gonna be one winner. <laughs> it won't be one of those other teams, so it won't no. matter. No. Um, I have another question about the Cowboys, and I guess we've already kind of answered this, but can the Cowboys still contend for a Super Bowl this year? Uh, uh, I hate to answer this uh, this way, but yes, I hate I hate answering this this way. But yes, just due to the division being that bad, and if you luck up and win the division, which the this division has a history of lucking up and then making a run in playoff time, like the Giants twice, like the Eagles did for their Super Bowl. I had nothing in the recent history for the Cowboys, of course, since the 90s. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the Washington franchise is, of course, even further back. But I, yes, due to the fact that they can get hot late and win the division and make the playoffs off of just winning six to seven games. I agree. I agree. I mean, they're really on even playing ground. They haven't played a division game yet with the Cowboys. I mean, they play the Giants coming up, and they should win that game. But they'll make it interesting just because they are the Cowboys. But I say, yeah, they definitely are. Well, well, they can still contend for a Super Bowl just win most of their division games. And uh, maybe one or two outside of that, they'll be fine. Um, as long as they bring their A game in the playoffs. It's going to be a drag out fight, the six games. <laughs> it's going to be so entertaining. They're going to be fighting for their lives to get these one, one wins. Boy, it, it'll be so funny if the Washington franchise wins the division by a half game this year. The, the <laughs> year that they don't really have a name, they actually win the division. Yeah, and then we get blown out in the playoffs. It, of they, course. Be they just don't have a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they really don't. And I think that the Cowboys, with Dak, he'll throw for 6,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and they only have seven or eight wins. <laughs> That's how yeah. laughable it'll be. And the most talented team in the league by position – they actually are. And they're at one lucky win. Extremely lucky win. Yeah, because you have a team that just gives up huge leads. And they should have their coach fired by now. But let's move it along to Cam and the Patriots. So Cam Newton tested positive for the coronavirus. So Cam had to sit out the game against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs ended up beating 
the Patriots 26-10 with Brian Hoyer starting, um, then having to be replaced by Jared Stidham by the end of the game. So with how the game played out, do you think Cam Newton would have led the Patriots to a win? I actually do. Cam makes that difference. He's, he's put in the time. I think the reputation of him being the front runner and even though it's never been out there that he would never be prepared, I think that stigma is in the back of his mind and due to him being prepared would make the difference in winning that game. The Chiefs started off extremely slow and it wasn't as much of a, a widened gap as the score would say. And the score is not a large gap, but it, it was a whole lot closer. And I do think Cam wouldn't have made that difference. So, uh, yeah, with Cam, I think it was very likely that the Patriots win this game if it kind of played out the same way. I would have to agree. Um, before Cam came down with the virus, I thought that they had a chance of winning this game. But actually, after watching the game, I would say yes, they they would have. I would say nine times out of 10 would have won this game because Cam Newton wouldn't have turned the ball over as much as uh, Brian Hoyer and then Jared Stidham did and put them in bad situations. I mean, just taking yourself out of six points at the least um, before the end of the half, getting sacked, then trying to call a timeout whenever you don't have one, and then um, sack fumble near the goal line, going for a touchdown. Again, Brian Hoyer throwing a bad pick throwing to, uh, I don't know who, um, and then having to be replaced. And then you got Julian Edelman. You know, he, he looks like he's scared of hits at this time. Um, so it's, he might need to retire. But, you know, you have the ball bouncing <laughs> off his hands. Guy takes it back for a pick six. Um, and that just really blew the top off the game by the end because there was just way too much to overcome because the Patriots, they just don't have much on offense. And Cam Newton, so far, it looks like he's been everything to the offense. And their running game still did pretty well, even without him. And I, I think that they probably would have ran for over 200 yards if they had him um, in the game against the Chiefs. And he would have applied more pressure to the Chiefs because I don't think they had too much sense of ur urgency since they had Brian Hoyer on the other side trying to lead the Patriots. And they just knew, like, come on. This guy, they, they have no chance with Brian Hoyer. Um, but, yeah, the, I, I think Cam Newton definitely would have led them to a win. I agree. I actually think this makes some more of a case that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach ever. Like, his, the combination of him and his game plan is it's dangerous because he's never really out of a game due to coaching. If you put a real weapon with that, he, they're, he's quite dangerous. Like, I really, like, this was really making a great case for Bill Belichick being the reason. I know this is a whole different conversation and really in the back of the minds of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But I think it's more of an argument that Bill Belichick made those, those championships teams versus Tom Brady making those championship teams. And I know I'm, I went fa far off on that answer okay um well i have a question similar to that um but just to kind of talk about that i think it goes hand in hand with the coach and player but which one would you rather have if you're starting a team patrick mahomes or bill belichick bill belichick his his physical Outside of him dying or catching Alzheimer's or something like that, <laughs> he doesn't run out. Like it doesn't. Like you don't. Your athletic, athletic. His mind is his best asset as a coach, and yeah, I'm definitely gonna go with the mind over the body in this case because it can always run out with athletic ability or getting hurt. Strategy yeah. is key. Yeah, no doubt. It's Bill Belichick. Um, you saw what he did for most of the game against Patrick Mahomes. He really could barely move the ball down the field. And 
with Cam Newton, they most likely would have won that game. And it, it seems like, to a certain degree, he's Patrick Mahomes' kryptonite. Um, I think they said that within the first half of every game, Patrick Mahomes has been able to score a touchdown. And the only three times that that hasn't happened was against Bill Belichick. So this guy is a master of the game, and he looks at it in every single way. And if you're starting a team, you definitely want to start with him. Because let's say Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the weapons that he has, and he's on uh, average team with average skill players. They're not. They're not exactly going to be contending for uh, a, a Super Bowl every single year. But with Bill Belichick, he gives you that opportunity if you have, let's say, the, the right talent to a certain degree, or let's say the the right talent at quarterback. And some small pieces here and there that can fill in the the holes. Um, So the answer is definitely Bill Belichick. Yeah, so that is definitely true. But do you, is it more of a Bill Belichick is Andy Reid's kryptonite? Or is it uh, Patrick Mahomes? Because if you go back in history, even before Patrick Mahomes was in the league, you had the time where they both made it to the Super Bowl, uh, Eagles versus um, Patriots. Patriots won that one. So I actually would lean more towards uh, Bill Belichick being Andy Reid's kryptonite, which is more uh, more of a worry. Because if your your coach can be outcoached, that is a problem. But if a player can outplay your player, that is game by game. Well, I, I don't, I don't think so because Alex Smith he was able to put up a good amount of points against the Patriots um in their season opener after winning the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons and they surprised everybody that time so and there was another time whenever it was a Monday night game um it was before they went up against well it was a season that they went up against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl leading up to that the Chiefs went up against them and basically blew them out so and, and that was with Alex Smith. So I don't think it's a, a, a Andy Reed. Bill Belichick being Andy Reid's kryptonite. Okay. Um, yeah, I do think it's something to worry about in the future for the Chiefs, at least, because you see they're going to have to go through each other. And Cam is definitely comparable to uh, to – Patrick Mahomes in use because he's a better runner and depending on the day, he may be able to throw, throw with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, if you give him the right weapons, yes, definitely. He can throw with them, um, especially in the, the Patriots system. Um, if you give him the right weapons, but, but I mean, come on, the, the weapons don't even compare to what they have with the chiefs. They have an embarrassment of riches and um, he's really just set up for the best future out of any quarterback in the league right now. Um, but we'll move it along to basically the recap of the first four weeks in the NFL. So there are still six teams left undefeated, that being the Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So in the first four weeks of the NFL season, which team has impressed you the most? Steelers, hands down here. You know, I was definitely on the uh, boat that Ben Roethlisberger was on his downfall, that they should have been gone, uh, moved on. I don't know why they're waiting this year for him to get better. He's just an aging quarterback. Uh, he's seen his best years. I was, I was really on the boat that they should be past him. But that shows that the combination of quarterback and coach there for such a long time is very important. They're at 4-0 and one of the years that they have a healthier team. Um, it definitely, they have a threat in their own division uh, of Baltimore, but I would have to say it's either the Steelers and I'll say the Packers. My first real thought was Packers, but when I didn't even realize that the Steelers were 4-0 until you said that. Well, they're 3-0. Real, 
They missed their last game because of COVID. That is okay. So they're three and zero, but still, it's between the Steelers and the Packers. As Aaron Rodgers, I was also on. Maybe his time has passed him. Uh, they might be going on to Daniel Jones. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, Daniel, what's his name? Uh, what's the one today? No, it's uh, Love or. Oh, Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Sorry, Jordan Love. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I would, in a way, this one, it, it might sound confusing, but the Seattle Seahawks, um, it seems like they have finally unleashed Russell Wilson and let him pass as much as he wants to. Um, and he's really shown them exactly what he can do and what he's capable of and what he should have been doing before. Um, but on the other side of the same team, I mean, their defense looks awful. I mean, almost any team can pass against them. So that that that, that has really been very surprising. Um, but Russell Wilson, he'll have them in every single game, and they're, they are always a threat to um, score at will because of how great Russell Wilson has been this year. So I would say, yeah, the Seattle Seahawks have been the biggest surprise to me. Okay, I can respect it, but uh, just due to people having Russell Wilson as the favorite, it's not too surprising because Russell Wilson keeps you in the game no matter what. I think what they're going to end up with is near the end of the season, he's going to would have done too much that his energy won't be able to carry them over that one last game that's going too long. Well, I think he's always been great at, you know, uh, coming back. But I think his defense will let him down in the end if they end up losing because their defense just gives up way too much. Well, I do to reason why I'm saying being too tired is if the defense can't keep offenses on the on the field or at least get them off the field, uh, then actually that might it depends. Because if they keep him on the field, I guess that keeps it, uh, Russell Wilson on the on the bench. Either way, they're going to have to figure it out to where Russell Wilson does not have to be the main reason why they win. He doesn't have to get them out of holes or run out of um, impossible situations to constantly keep them winning versus the rest of the team helping out that win. Yeah, they, they, they can't put him in compromising positions where – he has to throw five, six touchdowns just for them to win. Um, but who is your Super Bowl favorite in the NFC and the AFC? Uh, NFC. I'm still, I'll go AFC first because it's going to be easy. My favorite is still the Chiefs. But it is very likely that the uh, Patriots make it there. Uh, with Cam, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I, I do think that I really do. Um, and when it comes to the NFC, I would say it's hard to say because these two, the people who I have confidence in, I think later on the rest of the team is going to let them down. Uh, whether it be the Packers or um, or Seattle. I just don't see a lot of help on the other sides to make a complete team that makes it there. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to have to lean on the Seahawks. And, you know, it'll be easy to go ahead and pick the pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I, I, I guess I'll say Seahawks. Okay. Uh, well, let me address that, that, that Cam Newton and the Patriots for a favorite. I mean, that is – we don't even know if he's going to play the next game. And you saying they're the favorites? That is very hard to see. Very hard. Um, it yeah, that, that's hard to see. <laughs> I don't see it that way because of the combination of the coaching and the quarterback. I think his coaching is going to keep Cam out of certain situations, the way he gets hit. I think they're going to utilize him properly, which is going to lead to. Not Cam Cam winning the game for them, but a combination of coaching and Cam winning the game. 
Yeah, I, I think that that'll work for most games, but not make them Super Bowl favorites. I, I think that's a little bit too much. They still have to uh, beat their division rival, the Buffalo Bills. You know, they, they still have to do that because they are two games behind them. Um, but for I my think picks, that's work. What? I think work. that's old. Like uh, old, we're familiar with you. Uh, we don't, you don't scare us. We've always ruled you. This is old homework. I, I, I know how to do that. I can do this in my uh, last fifteen minutes before class. Okay. Well, I think we'll get an answer pretty soon whenever they play. But my AFC pick, yeah, right now it has to be the Chiefs because they have the most well-rounded team I think in the AFC on offense and defense. Um, we already know what they bring on offense with those embarrassment of riches and their defense capitalizes on uh, turnovers and the other team's mistakes. But in the NFC, it's much harder. Um, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers because I think that they have a good combination of on, of offense and defense because Aaron Rodgers looks like he look, looks like he's playing on an MVP level. Um, even without his top weapon, Devontae Adams. But we saw last year what that did for them. Um, really nothing because <laughs> they had him and they couldn't do anything in the NFC Championship game. But, yeah, it has to be the Green Bay Packers for now. But the Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers, they really have the potential to be one of those favorites if they can continue doing what they are doing right now. Agreed. Agreed. I I don't really have many differing uh, points on that because I was really, really leaning towards Packers too. But it, it, I don't know. It, I think some things may happen here, as they always do, the rest of the season. Yeah, you just never know. It's unpredictable, and that's what I love about the NFL. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it for so you think you know sports. We'll move it along to the trivia questions. Alex comes up with the questions. They're all multiple choice. It's three. I definitely don't know what he's going to ask or the answers, but I'll give my best shot. So you can go ahead and go with that first question, Alex. Okay. So question one, which NBA player has the most NBA all-star selections in NBA history? A, LeBron James, B, Tim Duncan, or C, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Hmm. Um, those are all great players. Um, I'm really not sure of the number of any of them, the, the amount, but, uh, you know, Kareem, he was balling for a long time. Um, but go ahead and ask that question one more time. All right. So which player has the most NBA all-star selections in NBA history? A, LeBron James, B, Tim Duncan, or C, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, um, LeBron, he's still doing what he's been doing since he entered the league. Uh, I'm not sure if he made an all-star team whenever he first came in, but, I mean, this one is kind of a toss-up. But I'm going to go with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for my final answer. Correct, correct. Now, LeBron is one behind uh, Kareem which he has 18 and Kareem has 19. And I, I'm not sure on the Tim Duncan, but I think his is 14, 14 NBA All-Star selections. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was thinking that um, Kareem, he just played for so long. That's why he had more. Yeah, but it's a, one more year and LeBron is going to time. Uh, but, and actually, if he would have, well, he, uh, this doesn't have to do with the playoffs, but yes, he uh, made it for 18 straight years. But on for question number two, how many Wimbledon? Let me say this one more time. I couldn't quite say it, but how many Wimbledon's Grand Slams have Serena Williams won? A six, B nine, or C thirteen? Now we all know that Serena Williams is a great tennis player. She's been at the top of the game for a while. Um, so I think six is a, a little that, – that, that doesn't seem like it's enough um, for the stature that she's at. Um, but I'm just not sure. Go ahead and ask that question one more time. 
Okay. So how many Wimbledon Grand Slams have Serena Williams won? A, six, B, nine, or C, 13? Um, 13 seems like a lot. I don't know. Um, actually, that doesn't seem like it's right because I think she's mid-30s or early 30s, something like that. So I'm going to go with nine. Final answer. Incorrect. Oh, dang. She had six. She actually six. had six. Yeah. Uh, Two, wow. 2000, 2002, 2008, 2009, 2012, and 2016. Now, he, she has 13 total Grand Slams. So those are different. Uh, Grand Slams, but Wilmington, Wilmington, she has six of them. Okay, yeah, I, I just grouped them all together. I thought it would be nine or something. Yeah, I I'll, yeah you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and final question uh, Which is the only WNBA player to win Rookie of the Year and League MVP in the same year? A, Candace Parker, B, Skylar Diggins, or C, Lisa Leslie? Dang. Probably the only three that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh that hard, but <laughs> I did uh, want to make sure people were familiar with the names, though. But uh, Man, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, we all know that they were great players, and uh, I think Skyward Diggins, she's the only one who's still playing, right? I think Kansas is still playing also. Oh, okay. Well, I think she's probably getting up there. Nah, she, she's pretty young. What? Young? What do you mean? She got to be like around LeBron's age. Candace Parker? That's still relatively young to be inside the... Well, no, it's not that young to be in the WNBA, but maybe. I'm not sure. I, I think she's younger than LeBron, though. Okay. I just meant by professional basketball standards. Yeah, I know what you mean. But um, I don't know. These are probably the only three WNBA players that I know. But go ahead and ask that question one more time. (laughs) Yeah, one last time. Which is the only WNBA player to win Rookie of the Year and League MVP in the same year? Candace Parker, A, B, Skylar Diggins, or C, Lisa Leslie? Um. I'm going to go with Lisa Leslie. Final answer. Wrong. This is Kyle Diggins. No, it's Candace Parker. Oh, okay. All Candace right. Parker yeah. is the only player to win Rookie of the Year and uh, League MVP in the same year. Wow. And I had saw this somewhere recently, maybe within the past two months, where it was one of them. I, I just couldn't remember. If you would have gave some random name, then I wouldn't have chose them. (laughs) But I I just didn't know. (laughs) Hey, I had to make sure you know who they are. They are good players. They are very good players. Yeah. Um, But that's it for So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.